Good morning, everybody. As you don't know me, my name is Philip Petorius. I'm part of the leadership of our Twanies Church and uh, part of our leadership of a, on a regional leadership where we aim to please God in everything we do. And we want to take the gospel of God to every town, every community, every suburb, every nation in the world. That's our passion. That's why we live. Um, you're going to take the whole stage with you. Stop, stop. <laughs> Almost I went with you now. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> um, so it's my privilege to share with you this morning as we continue, we're talking about so many, you know, it's the beginning of a year and we kind of align ourselves, what's this year going to be like? And you know, it, you know, it's almost like in 2019, 2020, beginning of 2020, people woke up and they got out and oh, it's going to be a great year. And then we had a big surprise. And that surprise lasted a little bit longer than any one of us anticipated, <laughs> okay? But I've got good news for you this morning. I sincerely believe the tide has turned. I really do. I believe the just shall live by faith. We don't live by past, we live by faith. We live about the future. We look into things. That doesn't mean things won't happen. It means that you and I are prepared to handle whatever happens to us. That you and I have the character of God inside of us that no matter what, we will still serve Jesus, I always say to people, you know, to explain theology because it's a big word and kind of theology is simply just the study of God and you and I have an accurate understanding and a representation of God. It's not where you study. I'm talking about the concept of theology. Now, bad theology is when you teach people things, when that does not happen to them, they stop serving God. So God heals. And then somebody gets sick and something that happened and now I'm going to stop serving God. That means you've got bad theology. Bad theology is we can position and manipulate God into a place where we control God. And as human beings, we tell God what He can do and what He cannot do. And if He doesn't do it, I'm going to throw a tantrum. I'm going to leave. I'm not going to go to church this morning. I'm not going to read my Bible. No, you can do that. It's just not going to benefit you because at the end you're going to lose and you're going to have to come back to your Bible. And you're going to have to come back to the truth. You just depend on how long you want to suffer. <laughs> But you know what? It's something about God. He's so gracious. I've been in the last um, month, two months, for, uh, you know, I've been studying the historical books as part of what I study. And it's been so amazing when you look at just the history of Israel, and I'm calling us Israel, okay? God's people. If you look at the history, they demand they want to have a physical king, not just a king in heaven. They want a physical king. And God says, not going to be good for you. So I know authority and, you know, kind of when people get too big, Things are going to go wrong. No, we want the guy like that. And then they get a king. And then the king is there and he's great and he's humble and he serves God and it's good for the, for the first season. He's just got his own company. Things are starting to happen. You know, he's just got married and things are happening. And then things start to go well and they leave God. It is just the natural trend of human beings all the time. You can go through all the historical books, Kings, Ezra, I mean Esther. You can go all those books from... Um, um, what's the first book? No, um, whatever. Samuel. You start, and you go through all those books, and you see just the history, but it's not just history. All, every single one of those books has got a very clear theological message. But you find one trend right through all those historical books. God bless man. God lifts him up. God provides for them. God restores them. And then it goes well with them. And then they turn to idols. And then God is not happy with them. 
Then they repent and God quickly is there. Okay, let me forgive you and let me restore you again. Wow. You know, I would sometimes feel like, no, I'm not going to help you now. <laughs> no, you, you messed up. Why don't you suffer a little bit? But God is just back. He's there like a bear. <laughs> he's immediately, the moment you say, he's there. Wow, God. And then he lifts them up again. And so you see the natural trends. And then you hear these words right through all the historical books. And they walked in the ways of God. And this king did not walk in the ways of God. This king walked in the ways of God. This king did not walk in the ways of God. And then you see the ramifications and the implications of those who walked in the ways of God and those who didn't. But all of this, how does that happen? Here you are, we're sitting in 2022. Can you believe it? And we have the opportunity to see if we're going to walk in whose ways. And what is it that you and I can put in our lives? What is this kind of watchword? What is this kind of watchdog we can put in our lives that whenever we do whatever we do, apart from you seeing me and I see you, you being in a church service, you're on your own, what is this thing that will guide you and help you to make the right decisions? What is this thing that you can put in your soul that can help you when you're on your own, you can still serve God? And I believe there is an incredible, valuable lesson we see right through the Bible, and the word is called honor. Now, honor is a big word. Want you read what Mr. Mandela said about honor? Mr. Mandela said about honor, said, honor belongs to those who never forsake the truth, even when things seem dark and grim, who try over and over again, who are never discouraged by insults, humiliation, and even defeat. They stick with the truth. Now, Auntie Google says, honor is a matter of carrying out, acting, and living the values of respect, duty, loyalty, self-service, integrity, and personal courage in everything you do. Their respect, their duty, being loyal. It's amazing when you find today, many people kind of think that loyalty is a, is a, is a swear word. No, loyalty is just showing who you really are. I mean, people say, I'm not loyal to, not being not loyal to the right things is actually not a good thing. I'm very loyal to the right thing. I'm loyal to my family. I'm loyal to my wife. I'm loyal to God. I'm loyal to this church. I'm loyal to you. And I have no excuse being loyal. It's amazing how people make an excuse for being loyal. I'm loyal. We have to be loyal. It's biblical. It's godly. It's honoring. To selfless service. Integrity. That's what Auntie Google says. Now, it's important that you and I get a good perspective of what honor means, and I'm going to try to help us this morning, especially how can we progress, how can we grow. Now, I bet every single one of you this week has been dishonoring somewhere, because I just know me, and I know you. It's not one of us has done it perfectly this week, or last week. Oh, let me give you a month, because some of you look like you're really holy, but let me give you a month, and you just, then you fail. We all have messed up. We all have missed it. You've done something. But because we're not really thinking about honor, you don't even know that you have been dishonoring. The question is not, are you perfect? Because none of you are. The question is, are we imitating God? Are we desiring to become more like Jesus? Not, are you really like Jesus? You look good, but you're not yet there. I'm not yet there. We're all growing in the presence of God. We're growing in the character of God. But you can grow at a certain pace of not even wanting it, or you could grow at a rapid pace because you desire it. You want this. I want to be like Jesus. Friends, there's no greater vision you can have for your Christian life than to be like Jesus. Not gain money, 
Not be the CEO, not have your own company, but to form Christ's character in your soul that you become like Him. There's no more honoring thing you can do. It's not just what you do for God, it's about becoming like Him. So when we honor, uh, we honor God when? First of all, when we grow in an accurate understanding, an acknowledgement, an understanding of who God is, His infinite and sovereign character and personhood in our lives and in the world. We recognize God for who He is. When you walk into a place and uh, someone introduces you to, this guy has won five Olympics, He's got five golden medals for Olympics. Great, wow, honor. And then you walk in, this guy is the senior, he's the CEO, the founder of this big company or corporation. Wow, honor. You walk in, I want to introduce you to the president. I've had many times traveled in Africa, and then me and Harry always joke about me, him, and Simon. I don't know what it is about it, but then Simon always ends up meeting some minister or some guy from in high political positions, and we are just the two guys taking along. It just happens spontaneous many times. So, and it's honor. Wow, that guy was just, uh, he's a minister in Ghana. He's the ambassador here. And, uh, and it's honor. And that's rightfully honored. But is that all that honor is? I mean, do you call me Parsifal or do you say Philly? Is that dishonoring when you say Philly? Then Harry's never been honoring. <laughs> You've never called me pastor. Why not? <laughs> no, you see, what have we made with honor? Now he's dishonoring because he calls me by what everybody calls me. Now I appreciate he calls me that because that means we've got a relationship. There's no barrier between us. But there's something about honor that's much deeper than this, guys. Just word, word you know, say things, but in our hearts we're doing something else. Oh, he's God, really. How's, how's God in your finances? How's God in your time? We can use words, but our hearts could be far from it. And I want to help us clarify what real honor means. It also is an accurate representation, not just an understanding, but you and I grow to start to represent Him correctly. Dads, we start to represent Him correctly. I mean, we had an interesting moment <laughs> this holiday. You know, we, I know you guys, your families are not like that, but I've got a Seven-year-old who's now becoming eight, and I've got a 14-year-old who has become 15 a few days ago. Okay? So seven and 15, seven years apart. So we do both schools double. Um, and uh, so started to get tense in our home over the holiday. It doesn't happen in your homes, I know. But it started to really nag it, just like... And I see mama gets irritated because these two don't get along, and then she... And, and so we got to a place, okay, hang on, time, time out, family moment. Sit around the table, and uh, for those parents, this works. Okay, I'm going to give you a simple speaker. This works. Your son said, right, here's the rules for engagement. Everybody's going to get a time to speak, no matter your age. Your opinion counts. Nobody's going to interrupt you. Everybody listen not to respond. You listen to understand. Nobody's allowed to interrupt, and everybody can share what makes you unhappy, unfiltered. So we start with seven-year-old. Mommy, when you do that, da 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 Put the box And so not allowed to re respond. Listen to what he feels. And then the way you respond is, can I first tell you what I hear you saying to make sure I understand? And then I'm asking you forgiveness. And then Buti gets a chance also. And then Papa did this. And then Papa gets a chance. And so we all speak out. And then we forgive one another. We pray for one another. And then we have peace in our home. It works. Because we speak. You see, somewhere we have to bring it to a place where we stop. And it's, it's that accurate representation. Can we, can I say sorry to my seven-year-old? Or is his age too young to repent to? 
If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I snapped at him, I snapped at him. I should not have snapped at him. See, when we come say, Lord, it's no more longer who makes the rules. It is I am under the rulership of Christ. How do I get there? I want to lay a foundational scripture. Revelations 4, verse 10 and 11. You are worthy. We just sang about it. You are worthy. O Lord and God. Those two are big words. This is not John and Peter. This is not the one who's got the medallion, the one who played for the Springboks. This is the Lord and God. Those are infinite statements. Lord means He is the one who rules the earth. God means He is the one who created and owns the earth. There is no higher authority that we speak about. You're right here. There's no position on earth that trumps this. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. You are the infinite authority above all authorities. And the worst place you and I as being, human beings can find ourselves is when we don't know who God is and we live as if He is not the authority. See, where does religion come in? We minimize God to a level of rules but don't realize He is an infinite God, powerful, loving God, gracious God that demands obedience. He demands our respect and our honor. When we become familiar with God, how do you become familiar? You equalize. When you equalize, you neutralize. When you neutralize, you familiarize. And then you nullify. You start to see yourself equal with God. He's your buddy. The next moment, you neutralize His power in your life. You want breakthrough. You can't get breakthrough. Why? Because you treat God as if He's your buddy. You serve God. You don't serve God because He's not God. We don't know. You see, and God wants us to put him back in who he is, in his place. And when you allow God and honor God for who he is, we start to see things change. So how does this work? I'm going to give you four basic growing stages. I believe the very foundational place of honor is, and I'm using peace so you can remember them. Peace, okay? Production. We honor God for what he does for us which is good and honorable because He does save us. He does protect us. He does do a lot of things for us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's a powerful scripture. Just context, that scripture was never written to any individual. So whenever you quote it, don't say God has plans for you. That's not the scripture. That's not scriptural. This is written to Israel, a, tri a nation. See, we many times think God's got plans for me apart from people. No, He doesn't. There's no plan for an eye outside of the body, except it rots. Many people don't get this because we think independence is godly. It's ungodly. We need one another. Your body is proof of that. Cut your finger off and see how long it lives. The moment you cut it off, it's dead. The moment your eyes lying there in the, in the corner, you no longer see. There's something about body that brings a humility that is so necessary. You see, God brings, He says, you know, I know the plans I have for the people. God wants to prosper. He right through the kings, all those places. You'll see God wants to do something. He wants to do. So He's going to do things. But if you and I only honor God for what He does, we become very selfish that we serve a God who saves us, but we don't follow a God who leads us. 
We want a Savior, but we don't want a Lord. We want somebody who keeps on like, you rub his tummy, he just pops out money. You know, we want God who always just pitch up when you ask him something, but we don't pitch up when he asks us to come. We want God always to be available, but we're never available. We want God to be generous, but we are so stingy. That doesn't sound like honor. Real honor starts to penetrate, and it infiltrates our sinful nature, and it starts to change it. It's not just what we say, it's what we start to become. See, production is, a fo- is vital. I'm not saying it's wrong. I say it's important, but it's a very immature starting phase of honor. I only honor those who do things for me. And those who don't, I dishonor. We need to grow beyond a place where we honor based on preference, based on what we get from it. The second place of honor, let me see, they're interchangeable sometimes. The one could come before the other one. is positional honor. We honor the king. The Bible says we have to, which is, it's godly. I mean, we honor people who lead. Jonathan leads this congregation. We honor him because he has the position of leading the congregation. But it would be sad if he's no longer leading and you're no more honoring him. Or because he leads, he doesn't honor you. Because he, my son is 7 year old, I don't honor him because he's too young. See, what happens is positional leadership is important, but it's still part of the growing phase of where God teaches us how to honor. He says, honor your father and your mother. You could do it out of obligation or desire. The Bible talks about these things, and I believe positional honor is biblical. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. This is amazing. This God did not just create the stuff we make stuff with. He even created the powers you don't see. And he rules over that. This is the God we serve, friends. All things were created through him. And most people put a full stop there. But that's not the end of the scripture. And it's for him. That's where the difference comes. It's not just through him, but it's also for him. All things turn back to God. When you use the word honor, it's interchangeable with glory. Honor. Glory, glorifying is honoring God. Honoring God is glorifying God. And when you start to look at this, God wants us to come to a place where we realize who He is. Yes, He has a position. Yes, He's the creator. He's the owner. He's the infinite God. And we position Him correctly, which is good. But there's still a chance when you and I position somebody, we respect somebody because of the position. But that does not mean we're going to love and follow Him and obey Him. There's definitely a deeper transition. And a transformation needs to happen from just production and position to a deeper level of honor. I believe the third stage of honor that really starts to impact our lives. If you look at position, we know who God is. We know He's the infinite God. But a correct understanding of position that helps us to transition into this next phase is we need to understand our position apart from God. I know we're strong, and we this and that, and we have to have self-image, and all of that is great. I remember we watched a little video when Luca was four years old. He picked us up one liner from a friend in Namibia, another kid, and we have this video where he sings this, we hate it, we hate it, I hate it, ex-geboren made it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, who's got it? I've got it. I was born with it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, it's like, this good. We have to have a self-image. But there's something about 
When you I start to build an identity and a strength, we are so good, we are so strong apart from God. That is the foundation why we're not available in serving God. Because we don't need God. We're okay without God. And in desperate moments like the last two years, does challenge that and bring us back. But how do we cultivate a lifestyle? We stay with God in good and bad seasons. We need to understand our position. Without God, we are sinful and lost, but like dust. There's nothing we can brag. There's nothing we can claim because we're nothing without God. Isaiah 29 verse 13 says, And the Lord said, Because these people near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts. Ladies, whom if you will marry your husband, if he says to you, you can have everything of me except my heart. You can have my hands, my feet, my everything, but not my heart. You're not going to marry the guy. Why? Because I want your heart. Because when I got your heart, I've got everything. See, we think we can serve God with our feet. We're busy. We go. We serve God with our hands. How about your heart? And you know when your heart is into something. The moment people say to me, oh, the church only wants money, it is a heart statement. It's not a money statement. It's my heart is not here. You know, people, you know, when people say that, I said, I said to a person a while ago, I said, you say the church only wants your money. Luckily, because we don't overemphasize money, we have not many of these conversations. But the reality is people still face their own idols. So you say the church only wants your money. So actually what you're saying is you want your own money. You're not thinking through what we're saying here. You've just exposed your theology. It's like, Lord, provide, provide, but I am. That's just one area. Could be our time, could be our talents. I mean, it could be what, and God's calling us, He's calling us to attention to growing into the next level of honor. It's not just position, it is not just production. But you come to the place where you say, God, I give you permission. Here's my life. Unrestrained. Oh, but God's going to let me go live in a kind of place somewhere there in a rural area. And I'm going to, you know what? You need to get a better perspective of God. Whatever God wants for you will always be the best for you. Wherever God sends you, wherever God takes you, whatever God does, if you serve God, you will find that is the best plan for you. When we moved from Stalamos to Pretoria, people said to me, do you know what you're doing? I said, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm following Jesus. I said, Stellenbosch area, Pretoria area, it's dangerous. I said, you know what? The most dangerous place I can live in is outside of God's will. It's not the city I'm living in. It's the godly plans I'm living in. We need to have a godly perspective and a godly theology if we want to make it through life. You're not going to be better off in Australia if you're outside of God's will. And if you're in God's will in Australia, bless you. But I promise you God still has plans for this nation. God has got plans for this continent. And I tell you, some of those plans are going to absolutely surprise people in the next 20 years. You're going to see something because God loves taking what is rejected down and out and uplift it and make something of it. It's just who God is. He loves working against the proud. You see, permission is the place where you recognize who God is. And you start to, permission means submission. Submission means you realign, reorder your time, your talents, and your treasures under authority that's not you 
for a greater mission that is not about you. Unless you and I is, has our time, talents, and treasures realigned to serve something bigger than us, we have not given God permission in our lives. We've not allowed God to say, be the Lord. You are God and I'm not. And as long as we hold back on that, friends, we will never step into the fullness of God ever. You'll never experience the things you dream you can experience because that level of depth of understanding and experiencing God is beyond the position on you who God is in position. It's beyond just what God does for me. But it comes to the place, God, you are this God. Now be my God. Do something in my soul. Start to change me. James 4, verse 6 and 8 says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to him. And guess what? He draw near to you. He's going to draw near to you. The Bible talks about resist the devil. And I don't know if there's a Christian that's been a Christian for longer than a year that does not know that scripture and quote that scripture. So, so resist the devil. He's going to flee from you. I want to help you. Do not take scripture out of context. You cannot resist the devil. He's going to eat you for breakfast. You're not that strong. Unless you submit to God, you will not resist the devil. Don't choose which scriptures you apply. See, I find many people, especially in the charismatic Google world, where they can get all kinds of stuff on the internet and don't have to commit to people, real life, flesh and blood, and they hang in the air like cloud Christians, build this theology where they take the names of God. He's loving. Oh, I like that. He's a judge. No. And they take all the names of God and they puzzle it out. Okay, I like this God and I don't like that God, so I'm going to serve this God but not that God. Guess who's God? The creator of God. You. You've taken God and you rearranged God. You know, he's no longer God. It's you who made your own God from God who's not God. That is not Christianity. True Christianity is you, you read who God is, you don't understand it, you don't like it, you don't know who it is, but that's it. And when you start to embrace who He is, not who you want Him to be, you'll start to get Him be who He really is and experience something you've never experienced. There's something about God that causes, that, that actually demands humility from mankind. Where we give Him permission now, how does God do this? Submit to God. Now, let me ask you this. How do you submit to God? I'm going to make it really practical. Children, submit to mommy and daddy. Submit to your parents. Now, but my dad's not perfect. Dad was not what I said. I said, he's your mom, and that's your dad. You submit to them. Honor them. Honor one another. The Bible says, Woman, honor your husband. Husband, honor your wife. The Bible goes as far as says, honor everybody. <laughs> There's something about you and I who will start to live in humility where we start to say, Lord, how do I do this? The Bible says, submit to your leaders. Because God's given them to you to help you. It's not, I have to do that. Forget about me standing on stage. The, the, the challenging thing is, I have to bring the message and I'm a leader, so um, take me off the stage. Let's appoint a new person. I don't care who it is. It's not about who it is. It's about who said this is it. It's God. 
You see, there's something about the way God wants us. He always not just says submit to God. He takes us down to human terms and he brings it practically down to earth. And he says to you, how do you live right here, right now, where you are? And here's how you can do it. See, when we start to do this, he says, submit your leaders. For they keep watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with groaning. For that will not be to your advantage. What does he mean? He means when somebody calls me and I see caller ID, I say to myself, oh, stop getting that person. Oh. He says, that's not good for you because I don't want to answer. <laughs> I'm really practical now. Is this guy going to moan again? I'm going to have to beg this guy again? Okay, we're going to wrestle again about this. Or, hey, that's that guy. Hello, how you doing? Wow, Phil, God is working. I would take that call even in my break. Why? I'm giving it really simple. It's really hard to lead people who don't want to follow, but it's so a joy to lead people who want to follow. Same you know. Your company, it's easy to have staff who want to run with you and staff who always cross you. You can take it to kids. I mean, yeah, we want to look after our kids, but you know what? Their disobedience sometimes restrains my wallet. But their obedience, they don't even have to ask me. I want to do things with them. That's just how it works. It works like that in life. It even works when you honor people, they want to honor you. When you dishonor people, they, don't want, they want to dishonor you. What you sow is what you reap. Friends, submission is the level of maturity that we grow into honor that supersedes just positional honor. It takes us to a place where we open up our lives and we align ourselves with God. We give God permission, which means, Lord, change my schedule, change my way I use my life and my talents, and Lord, the way I spend my money. Take control. It is you. Now we submit. We allow God to work through people in our lives. She's in a connect group, and there's somebody walking with you. Even that moment, say, Lord, the moment we open up the word, you open me up. It's not Ananias' disciple Paul. Paul became a great leader. You never read about Ananias again. But guess what? God expected of Paul, superhero Paul, to go and submit to a man that's name was never mentioned before. Because humility is the foundation of spiritual growth. It opens up his life. We submit to God in a way, in his, to his will and his ways, on a daily basis by giving permission. And this brings me to the last stage. And I believe both of these are continue. It's not just once off. It's continuing. You know, as we keep on giving God permission, the more this becomes personal. The more it becomes personal, the more we open up and give God permission. Now, permission means we start to open up. We allow God to enter. And we say, God, enter through your word, enter through people, enter through leaders, enter through my wife, enter through other people. I want to be like you. And then as we allow that, it's amazing how they start to change who we are. It becomes personal. It's not just something you want to do. It's really something you start to value. It's something you want to build. It's something you want to give. It's something you want to, and it's amazing. When you do something, you walk out this, oh, I know I messed up. You know when you walk away from a moment and you feel like just a mm, little bit, you all know that. It's like, you know what you feel? You feel like I missed it. Maybe what I did now was dishonoring. Friends, if you don't have that compass in your soul, something's wrong. It's that sensitivity. We're not going to get it always right, but at least have a compass. Have this thing that pulls you back and says, uh-uh, you were a little bit off. Why don't you call the person back and say, you know what, what I did there was wrong. 
I'm sorry. I shouldn't have not spoken like that. I shouldn't have reacted like that. And every time you come back in humility, you'll find grace. And you allow God to change you. 1 Peter 2 verse 17 says, honor everybody. See, in the beginning, it's honor those who do things for me. Then honor position. See, now we grow to a place. The Bible says, honor everybody. Love your brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. It's a lifestyle of honor. You walk into the grocery store, you honor the lady behind the till. You sit in a restaurant, you honor the waitress. You honor the waiter. I mean, you walk into places. Where does racism come from? It comes from dishonor. It's all it is. It's not a skin color. Can take you to a nation where it's black, black, white, white. It's not a skin color thing. It's simply dishonor. It's simply a way of not recognizing who God has made people to be, and we don't honor God first always before we dishonor people. We always dishonor God first. Martin Luther said it so clearly. He said, no one breaks any one of the Ten Commandments without breaking the first commandment first. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's always God first. Where does honor start? It always starts with God first. Why do I treat you this way? Because I want to honor God. Why do I want to make right? Because I honor God. Why do I want to repent of sin? Because I honor God. Why do I want to not be part of division of groups and people who cause us rebellions? I want to honor God. That's why. Why do I want to be generous? I want to honor God. Friends, the honor of God must become the main motive why you and I sit here today. Why we get married. Why we make right. Why we are generous. Why we get on stage. Why we sing. It's the honor of God. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 2 Timothy 2 verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleans himself from what is dishonorable, he will become an honorable vessel useful to God. Friends, when we allow God to change us, and we become honorable. We become useful to the king. Now, how do we do this very practical? And I want to send you home with this. Keep in mind. To take this practice, how do I live a lifestyle of honor? The first thing is honor God with your time. Every one of us got 24 hours. Nobody's got less. Nobody's got more. So nobody has no time. If you say you have no time, that you get 20 or 15. I know we're busy, but... Busy is a choice in the way we do things. Now, that's good to be busy. I don't think we should be lazy. But I think we should be wise how we honor God with our time. Which means if I honor God with my time, it means I make myself available to God. Let me ask you, whom of you want God to be available? I would like Him to be available. I don't know about you. Whom of you would like God to pitch up? Okay, so why don't you become available and you pitch up? Because it's very dishonoring. You want God to do it, but you don't. What is church, friends? Has COVID not taught us lessons? It's not about Sunday gathering, although this includes it, but it's not just about this. We were church in COVID right through without gatherings. Our church still existed because we've got subs of groups running throughout the city, people caring for one another, being the church, taking pills, loving each other, giving us food. That's church. It's not just Sunday gathering. But we are back and we can gather because otherwise you will not hear this message and you can't be challenged to grow. Your time is of the essence. Don't waste time. Here's the commitment we make towards you as a church. We will not as far as possible, and if we do, you can tell us we'll change. We will not unless you try to make you busy with church stuff because we're not a church who wants to be church busy. We're a church who wants to reach the world. Therefore, you will not be asked to do something on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. 
except for a fast, which is once in a while. But that's good for you. We will not keep you busy in this church. Here's what we ask you about time. First of all, will you be committed to your own Bible reading? You wake up, set your alarm, read your Bible. Study your Bible. It's your devotion. You pray. You see God. That's time. You're going to have to give time. You're going to have to set time out. As you put time for gym and for work, give God time. The second thing is, will you make time to grow spiritually? Make yourself available to be in a connect group. Make yourself available where you can grow. Would you also make yourself available to be fruit where you can help other people? And will you make yourself available to serve? That's primarily what we ask of you. We don't ask you to be 24-7 in this venue. I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not going to be here. But we ask you in a practical way. Devotion, grow, bear fruit, and serve. Is that simple enough? And then you don't have to be guilty. Why? Because you're making yourself available. And all the other time you have left, reach the world. Be a Christian in the world out there. And reach lost people. The second thing is we honor God with our talents. Thank God for these amazing musicians. But there's no drummer. Maybe you can play drum. I'm using a really simple example now. Pitch up and say, I can play drums. How do I serve? Kids. You love kids. Come and serve in the kids' church. Serve somewhere. You know what? When people come to visit me in my home, I sit back and I say to my wife, I hope you prepare the food and clean up the house and everything. And I sit back and I wait for my wife to do everything. Yeah, right. Not with my wife. <laughs> no. Even my kids, I said, Jess, you do this. Look how you do that. I will do that. And I, we all work together. And then our visitors just come. And we have a great time. And when we see the red lights and they're leaving, guess what? I go to bed and I wait, ask my wife to clean up the house. No. I help my wife clean up the house. The kids help. Jesse, you bring all the plates. You clean, and everybody work. Why? We teach our children. This is our family. Everybody serves. The only people who don't serve in family are those who are visiting the family. Are you visiting? Or are you family? Family serves. Make time to serve. And if everybody serves, everybody has time when you don't serve. And the last one is serve God with your treasures. Serve God with your finances. Where do you start? Malachi, easy. Pay your full tithe in the storehouse. Storehouse, where you get your food. So this is where you get your food. This is where the money comes. Your missionary friend, that's on top of your tithe. That's not your tithe. Oh, but that's Old Testament. Yes, so is Genesis. God created Adam and Eve. Why do you believe in the one and not in the other? <laughs> it's just silly. It's just bad theology. That's all it is. Okay? The Bible says, I, the Lord God, do not change Malachi 6, 3 verse 6. Verse 10 says, bring the full of sorrows. It's clear it's not Old Testament scripture. It's a foundational scripture to give you the entry level into generosity. You cannot be generous unless you start with tithing. And when you tithe, great. Now you grow generosity. On top of your tithe, are you giving more? Live to be generous, friends. Oh, Lord, give me more than just enough. That's an unbiblical prayer. Give me more than enough so I can bless people. I can be generous to people. Don't think small, but become available to God. Let me end with this. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord your God with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Not enough, plenty. And your vats will burst with wine. Friends, we serve an incredible God who's worthy to be honored. Who's going to honor Him? You and I. 
Do we wait for the trees and the, and the rocks to cry out? Or are you and I, gonna, are we going to wake up and say, Lord, we do this? When you mess up and you ask God's forgiveness, that's honorable. When you sin and you repent, do you know that's honorable? When you make right, when you're wronged, that's honorable. It's not living a perfect life. It's responding correctly. And it's keep on growing and then fill those areas of gaps so that you can stop doing what you did wrong to become the person God can use. It's not perfection. It's imitation. It's not the pleasure of performing. It's the pleasure of serving. We don't expect you to perform. As a family, we all have fruit of clay, me, myself included. But let's have this motto, I'm going to honor God. When I wake up, I'm going to honor Him. When I go to bed, I'm going to honor Him. My finances, I'm going to honor Him. My relationship is going to honor Him. The way I treat women, I'm going to honor Him. The way you treat men, I'm going to honor God. If honor is in front of you, it will help you to make no silly mistakes. It will help you to not make stupid decisions. Because the honor of God is a protective guardian over your soul. Always choose to honor. This honor is what hurts us. Let's pray. Father, you know your people. Amazing people. Loving people. They're your people. And today we say yes. If you're sitting there this morning, would you dare to say, Lord, I don't want to just honor you for what you do for me. I don't want to just honor you for the position that you have. I give you permission this morning. Some of you this morning might be first. Where you say, Lord, full position, per permission. Lead me. Open up your lives. Why don't you submit to this church if you're in this church? How do you do that? By aligning yourself with what we put, put to the table and we invite you into small groups of things. And you get into it and you allow God to change you and see what happens with you. Father, bless your people. I know 2022 is going to be a remarkable year of God's favor on your people's lives as we in faith love and obey you. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.